Are you ready to take your leadership and your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate, evolve, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world. And you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations to identify the trends that will most likely disrupt their business and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage these trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organizations. I'm also an adjunct faculty member at universities in the U.S. and Germany. Today, I am delighted to have Alex Fisher with us as our guest. Alex is the president and CEO of the Columbus Partnership, a civic leadership organization formed in 2002 of Columbus, Ohio's top business leaders to improve the economic and cultural base of Central Ohio. The partnership is helping to lead the Columbus 2020 Economic Development Effort, which is a collaboration of regional economic development organizations. Members of the partnership are chairpersons and chief executive officers of Columbus's largest companies and institutions and include 15 Fortune 1000 CEOs. The Columbus Partnership played a key role in winning the U.S. Department of Transportation's Smart City Challenge to bring $50 million of grant funding to the city and receive official designation as the Smart City of North America. So I want this Voice America series to provide valuable information to leaders and emerging leaders that will continue Continue to prepare them and their organizations to deal with the dynamic times we're facing. The more effective the leader, the better the journey in navigating the disruption that we are facing now and will continue to face. In addition to sharing models and experiences, I invite you to find one thing from each weekly segment that you can put into practice in your leadership. It's certainly easier to change our leadership one week at a time rather than waiting until we hit a disruption and find that we are ill-prepared. I have a personal passion about this because I've coached executives who were hired because they were brilliant and because they focused all of their energy on running their organizations, they didn't stay current. And then finding the next job becomes significantly harder. So the outcome of today's session under Alex's leadership, the city of Columbus and the central Ohio region have grown dramatically in ways that the Harvard Business Review talks about as the, quote, Columbus way. In their case study of the Columbus Partnership, a group focused on increasing the vitality of the region. The partnership originated with eight CEOs and now has a group of 65. Alex will share the Columbus mindset and the fabric of the culture that makes others want to emulate it. He'll also talk about the current and future focus of the leaders of Columbus and the region as they join together to address challenges faced across the country and the globe by creating local solutions. So, Alex, I'm delighted that you're able to join us. It's great to be with you, Marie. So let's start with what is the Columbus Partnership and why have you chosen to dedicate your time now to running this organization? So we are a uh, group of uh, CEOs who uh, are passionate about our community. Mm -hmm. Um, So 10 years ago, we were uh, a dozen CEOs. Today, we are uh, over 65 uh, CEOs who come to our boardroom table and leave our selfish interest at the door, bring our community interest uh, to the table. Uh, I often talk with our uh, uh, leaders about the idea that we're not your typical trade organization Mm -hmm. uh, that exists to service our members. Uh, Rather, uh, we uh, use our members' participation in our organization to go out and do good in the community. And so I often say uh, we vote with our membership's proxy in doing uh, community work, whether that's economic development, downtown redevelopment, uh, whether it's thinking about public policy uh, issues uh, and a host of uh, activities. Our main focus is on economic development and Mm -hmm. economic prosperity for all. 
uh, here in central Ohio. But as such, that has lots of tentacles that go to many areas of the community. So can you give a few examples, because these are great words, and, and many communities probably say they do the same thing. You know, um, I'm, I'm sure that at some form they would say it, and at some form every community does do the same mm-hmm. thing. Some examples, um, you know, very specifically would be the creation of our Columbus 2020 program. Okay. Uh, so 10 years ago, we were uh, curious about um, our community's uh, economic development performance compared to peers. And we uh, took a group of CEOs, and at that time, then Mayor Michael Coleman, Uh, to go and visit uh, Austin and the Research Triangle and Minneapolis and Indianapolis and Pittsburgh to look to see what peer cities were doing in economic Mm -hmm. development. And we saw a very stark contrast by the numbers that uh, Columbus uh, was not up to snuff uh, as it related to uh, peer city uh, Mm -hmm. economic development and job growth. Mm -hmm. We saw that we were falling behind in wage wage growth. and we started asking ourselves the question, uh, how do we get better? And okay. we put a plan together. Um, we literally spent uh, the better part of a year socializing that plan with thousands of residents from throughout mm-hmm. uh, Columbus to ultimately come up with uh, Columbus 2020. Now, eight years later, mm-hmm. uh, Columbus 2020 is on the verge of uh, breaking the record books in job creation and capital investment uh, during a decade period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, we set a series of goals uh, that were very specific of creating 150,000 net new jobs, $8 billion of capital investment, personal income growth of 30%, and being named a uh, top 10 community in economic development. Well, by the numbers, uh, Columbus is one of the fastest growing economies in the country. We are now consistently ranked uh, in the top 10 uh, and on occasions the top one or two uh, communities of greater Mm -hmm. than a million people for economic uh, development. Uh, We all can see all around us Mm -hmm. the the growth trajectory that uh, Columbus is on. Uh, we would never say we did all of that ourselves or by mm-hmm. ourselves. Uh, it was a massive collaboration um, mm-hmm. of public and private uh, leaders. Mm-hmm. And it's really that collaboration that mixes up the public and the private sector that um, uh, folks have turned to and pointed to as the secret ingredients. In fact, the Harvard Business School wrote a case mm-hmm. study. Uh, they called it the Columbus Way. And they teach it now to mayors all over the world uh, about one of the best examples they've seen in cities of private sector and public sector partnering together to get things done. So let's, because we have listeners from around the world, in fact, our largest listener base last quarter was in Japan. So, so we are a global audience. Can you talk a little bit more about that collaboration and how it might apply to communities beyond even the U.S.? Yeah, you know, it it it, uh, it starts with the the premise that would say, uh, no government or no business uh, can do community by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with that premise that says um, we're going to leave our selfish interest uh, at the door, <coughs> and we're going to be willing to mm-hmm. to uh, at sometimes do things as a group that may be counter to our own individual mm-hmm. interests, mm-hmm. but a recognition that things can, can be better. It, it uh, starts with a philosophy of civility, uh, which is uh, something that uh, candidly in the last couple of years we've been struggling with uh, as we look around the country and the divisiveness mm-hmm. that's occurring mm-hmm. in political circles that says, you know, this isn't about being a Democrat or a Republican or a particular mm-hmm. uh, political persuasion, but it's about uh, partnering with your neighbor, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the good of your neighborhood and the good mm-hmm. of your community uh, in, in your city. But what I would say is it doesn't also happen overnight. There's okay. not a formula. Um, you, you can't take a formula that says, let's take a little bit of civility and a little bit of collaboration and mix it up between the publics and private mm-hmm. is going to work. I mean, we, we've been practicing and at, have been at this uh, for a long time. The partnership was created 18 years ago. Governor George Volnovich had challenged um, 
one of our greatest entrepreneurs and uh, CEO leaders, Les Wexner, and John Wolf, the publisher of the uh, Columbus Dispatch, uh, to create a CEO group because he had been mm-hmm. the mayor of, of Cleveland and he had seen what happens when private sector's leaders collaborated with he as, as mayor. And he said, you all should consider doing something like that. And in the earliest days, they were just gathering, you know, five or six people for lunch, having conversation about what was happening around town. And this was the original eight CEO group. Yeah, this was the original, you know, um, um, wasn't even called uh, a CEO group or partnership. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, a little more than a lunch group. Okay. And that graduated 15 years into uh, deciding to formally organize into mm-hmm. uh, a CEO organization and having a dozen CEOs that would come together on a quarterly basis. You know, for the first five years of those gatherings, it was really kind of before my time, um, uh, the Columbus Partnership was about anything and everything, uh, focused on philanthropy and education and economic mm-hmm. development and arts and cultural activities. You know, whatever CEO had a interest in or a passion for they would bring it to the table and Mm -hmm. you know maybe uh you know discuss some ideas Mm -hmm. um in that process though they started gaining trust and they started developing relationships uh, Mm -hmm. even among people who had lived in the community for a really long time Um, they started building culture so in this last decade when we got after the real singular focus mm-hmm. of uh, economic uh, development. We were doing it with a foundation of people who had built a lot of trust, who had built a reservoir of uh, getting to know one another. And I think that's uh, been a really important uh, ingredient to uh, our success, that, that culture of trust, that culture of a relationship. So what needles or levers did they need to move? It's Clearly the trust was the foundation to move them. And there's nothing like addressing a big problem to build that trust. Mm-hmm. Were there specific measures? It sounds like you went after uh, education, jobs. They were, you know, in the early days, they were kind of going after a little bit of everything. And okay. again, any issue that might be out in the community, they might have raised their hand. Mm-hmm. But then we got jailed uh, around a, uh, a pseudo crisis. Mm-hmm. And that crisis was the financial collapse of the of of eight okay and that was really when I arrived on the on the scene and I was um at the research organization Battelle. uh I had spent uh, a, a different lifetime in the state of Tennessee as the mm-hmm. state's uh, commissioner of economic development and as a deputy governor for um mm-hmm. uh, governor Don Sundquist. and uh, during that collapse, nobody really knew where the bottom was, and a lot of those very uh, initial CEOs that had been a part of the lunch group and mm-hmm. that had been a part of the the group of twelve uh, over the previous several years were asking themselves the question: What is Columbus's uh, economic future? There were some instances in which uh, Columbus had seen a few businesses uh, threaten to leave, um, and they were curious. Um, around this idea of, um, you know, among this economic uncertainty, uh, what's our future going to be? And that really started to then gel uh, the partnership around a singular focus of uh, economic uh, prosperity. And by the way, um, I think there's a big lesson there. Um, And I think that big lesson is that uh, having... Uh, focus, especially when you have a, a group as as diverse as now uh, sixty five or seventy CEOs working with uh, political leaders at the state house and in Washington and at city hall. Civility would, does would, have to be a watchword, would, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. Which would suggest <laughs> that you really want to be, you know, focused on doing a few things mm-hmm. uh, and doing them, uh, you know, in a really. Uh, concentrated way in a way that mm-hmm. is measurable and tangible, and so we had a transition. We had a transition from, um, you know, the phone rings and we'll answer it, and whoever's asking us to do something mm-hmm. is well intentioned and well meaning, mm-hmm. and there's not a bad idea, and we want to help everybody, to a realization that said. Um, a CEO organization, a business group, probably has the best opportunity for success, focusing on. Uh, economic development and job creation. 
and we had to make some choices. Uh, in the process now, uh, you know, nearly a decade light, later, um, we built a foundation of that focus that uh, remains. But it also allows us then to consider doing some other things, which we have done along the way, that are related to economic development, but not necessarily a part of the core. So the lesson, I think, in a community or in a business is, look, you, you really have to do have to know what you're about. Just like any strategic plan. Just like any strategic plan. And if you know what you're about and you know why you exist uh, and you do that really well, Mm -hmm. that will give you opportunities to do other things. Uh, But you never want to lose focus from the the core Mm -hmm. uh, fundamentals. Now, uh, in your introduction, you talked about, you know, transformational change is happening all around us and so uh, that doesn't mean you're stay singularly focused on one thing and you're not evolving as as the, as the times are, are, are evolving which you know makes it uh, challenging well and that was one of the things I assumed you talked about benchmarking other cities and what came out of it was this Columbus way and one of the things that that I love through some of my research is that the idea of positive deviance we see who's doing things really interesting and well we learn from them but we never copy them we come up with our own approach that really allows us to harvest and and cultivate the resources we have and and then be the ones that other people are emulating. Yeah, you know, look, um, um, I, I think, uh, you know, Les Wexner's often told me that, uh, you know, curiosity is the heart of, uh, you know, all good leaders. What we've had is a voracious appetite to be curious about what other cities are doing that works. Now, we're not afraid to copy it, and we'll copy it with attribution, mm-hmm. uh, but we also have to recognize there is no formula. You have to you know, Columbus is unique. Um, we're unique in our our size, our makeup, our uh, industries. Uh, the fact that we have 150,000 college students, uh, as many as per capita as almost any city in America, um, and and so then you have to uniquely take those good ideas that you find. Mm-hmm. But you you also said that uh, you know the the challenge of all leaders is. Uh, when you become really good at something and you're operating, how do you also find the time to uh, get out in the world or in the, in your industry or other industries to, to learn from others? And so that's what we did in those early days, and that's been a hallmark of what we do. We, we do an annual retreat every year at the uh, Kennedy School with our CEOs. This past year, it was all about disruption, bringing in people that could challenge us to say, this is how the world's changing, and you all as leaders in Columbus have got to make sure you're adapting. So right now you are with Alex Fisher and Maureen Metcalf. Alex is the CEO of Columbus 2020. When we come back from break, I would love to hear a little bit more about what you talked about with regard to disruption in your current retreat. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. 
Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You're with Maureen Metcalf and Alex Fisher, the CEO of Columbus 2020. So before break, you were talking about your annual retreat at the Harvard Kennedy School and this year talking about disruption. Can you share a little bit about either themes or things that you took away from that retreat? Well, one of the things that we we try to do is to, you know, get ourselves into an uncomfortable position so that we can learn and mm-hmm. understand where our liabilities uh, are as a community and as individuals. And at, at our latest retreat, we did a series of uh, TED Talks, uh, okay. Rapid Fire, um, under the theme of uh, disruption. And, mm-hmm. you know, one was on the fact that, uh, you know, Amazon's uh, eating the world's lunch and totally disrupting retail. Mm-hmm. By the way, we had a lot of retail CEOs uh, in, in the room. That <laughs> Curious had an, about what's going on. <laughs> they had an opinion of that. Yeah. Um, we had somebody from Runs IBM Watson uh, talking about uh, the changes that are happening in artificial intelligence and predictive analytics in healthcare. And from some of the things I'm reading, that's going to really upend how physicians operate you know, and com- hospital you know, systems. Completely. We had four hospital CEOs that are a part of the partnership mm-hmm. that were in the room uh, for that discussion. We had a conversation around a blockchain. And by the way, that's a tough one. Um, you know, So take 40 or 50 CEOs, and we all think we're pretty current, um, and ask somebody to explain blockchain. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to attempt to do it here, but in that conversation, you know, pushing us to the limit that says, you know, look, and each of these, those three, and we had, you know, seven or eight others, mm-hmm. we were asking ourselves the question, how is the world around us changing? And what's that mean in a place like Columbus? So um, I often talk about 1905. Columbus was number one in what? Well, we were number one in buggy manufacturing in the world. <laughs> the buggy works. The buggy works. Um, and in the 1905 London's World's Fair, we had a, an exhibit in the Transportation of the Future Hall okay. of the World's Fair. And the Columbus Buggy Works was there showing off their latest and greatest uh, 10 new horse-drawn buggies. buggies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a little over a decade later, that company was out of business uh, because a little company uh, Ford. named Ford, <laughs> exactly, and combustion engine and mass production put the Columbus uh, mm-hmm. buggy manufacturing company out of work. That was way back then. By the way, this little device that we all have in our phone called the iPhone that didn't exist 10 years ago is disrupting everything. So we're trying to say what disruptions are happening in industries, in the community uh, around us that we as a group of civic leaders uh, have to to be worried about and thinking about. Which is really exciting. I've also been following AI and blockchain and thinking about banks and attorneys and physicians and the people who have in the past been less impacted by disruption will now be looking at the impact that it has on them. So from a community perspective, the level of tax impact, unemployment impact, how do we retrain people? How do we leverage this to be a healthier community? I don't think anybody can run and hide. Um, I think it's coming at us so fast. Mm -hmm. And leaders who are comfortable in their industries or in my instance in the community with living in the gray space, um, I Mm -hmm. think you're going to be the leaders... Uh, that thrive. 
uh, because I believe uh, future leadership is going to be just as much about being uncomfortable in a world that is just on this exponential Moore's mm-hmm. Law curve of change, um, um, very different than what it was, uh, you know, decades ago. Well, and that, that's my work is what do leaders of the future look like and how do we help people get there? And the development of leaders looks different than it did in the past going to a classroom and learning a skill. It's fundamentally changing how I think so that I can live in the gray space. So I am willing to make mistakes. The constant experimentation and agility rather than I've got the answer and I'll tell you what to do. Yeah, or I've, I've gone to four years or six years or eight years of school and I'm done and now I'm going to go practice it. Mm-hmm. Um, look, that served, served our country, served the world for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But in this world that's ever-changing... The idea of exploration, curiosity, continuous learning, mm-hmm. um, always scratching the itch to figure out what others are doing is going to be more the norm. And so leaders have to be able to know how to both, as you said, operate, but then find the time while they're also operating with excellence to uh, think about uh, how things are changing. So. As a group of CEOs, we paused at our retreat, mm-hmm. and we do this in different forms on a regular basis mm-hmm. to say, okay, what's happening in the world around us? What can we learn from other places and other situations? Mm-hmm. And how do we, uh, as a group, apply that to uh, the city uh, and the civic mm-hmm. fabric of Columbus? So I assume you're synthesizing everything you learn and what comes out as a Columbus version of how do we identify the gaps we have and amplify the the brilliance and the strengths and the the gifts that this community uniquely has. Yeah, it's always uniquely Columbus uh, Mm -hmm. and unique to Ohio and unique to this place and this time. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know a single instance in which we've you know, ported something back as a as a single formula. But now what do we have happening is we've got places like Seattle coming to visit us. That's really exciting. Uh, the, you know, former governor of their state that runs an mm-hmm. organization that's similar to ours recently brought a group of CEO leaders uh, to see us. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've had leaders from lots of cities around the country that are doing the same thing we were doing a decade ago and are continuously mm-hmm. doing. And uh, look, I don't think that that means that we've made it and we're done. I just Not think that, <laughs> I just think that that means we're in the right quadrant because mm-hmm. now it's a two-way street of both uh, learning and sharing. So let's shift a little bit. Columbus has been recognized um, in several different forums, ranging from being the global leader in the Intelligent Community Forum to the current designation as a smart city. Can you talk a little bit about, one, what is smart city, and what happened that allowed Columbus to win this designation as the city in the country? Well, it is it is a tremendous honor and a and a great responsibility to be named by the U.S. Department of Transportation as the smart city, and smart city is a a big term and uh, yeah, easy to use by by many. In this instance, it it means that we're the we're the test bed. We're the place that is going to uh, think about the urban fabric and the plan for the city for the next fifty years uh, in a different way that we know that a kid born today won't need a driver's license in their lifetime. It's just simply a fact. That's both exciting and sad. It's it's exciting and sad. And by the way, if you, uh, it's a provocative statement, I realize Mm -hmm. that. But if we're anywhere close to correct on the provocative statement, and you don't need a driver's license in in the future, guess what the number one job in America is? A driver. And if that's not disruption that says you've got a whole different set of skills that are going to have to transform. By the way, uh, the combustion engine is sort of done. Look at every car manufacturer, and some say 2022, 2025, 2028. I don't know if VW or Ford or, or General Motors, who's actually correct. But all of them are saying the same thing. We're moving to all electric vehicles. One, because they're a superior experience for the driver. Uh, secondly, if you don't have drivers, and if you don't believe it, I can take you for a ride in my Tesla that uh, recently drove me from my lake house to downtown Columbus for 28 miles without ever touching the accelerator. And so this change is happening uh, all around us. 
What's that change going to look like? How we're going to adapt? How we're going to experiment is what smart cities is right in the heart of. So one of the other competencies we talk about leader of the future is a 360-degree thinker. And as you talk about this, I'm thinking of all of the ripples from refining, fracking, insurance. If I'm not driving, insurance companies have... (laughs) That's right. I mean, you know, so if you're Columbus... Policemen? If you're Columbus and you're the home to nationwide and... Uh, state auto and motorists and safe light mm-hmm. and grange and this conglomeration of insurance companies then uh, we are we at bigger risk or less risk well i like the idea that we're leaning in and jumping right in the middle of the conversation and and trying to learn from it and make sure that we adapt well i'm we, proactively we, dealing from a business model perspective with how do we stay healthy long term yeah and, and and how do you stay on top of these trends so We are the number two tier one, tier two auto parts supply manufacturing uh, community in America. But we don't make so many Internet of Things that go into the cars of the future. And we know the cars of the future are going to be less about bumpers and hubcaps, and they're going to be a whole lot more about artificial intelligence, about the, the mirror, uh, about uh, you know all of it, uh, and the technology that is changing things. So, will we evolve? Uh, that manufacturing operations, you know, if you're a big place that makes drivetrains and combustion engines uh, don't exist in the future and drivetrains don't exist, then are you going to be a place that's uh, thinking about battery production and a place that's talking about electric uh, motor production? And so Smart Cities is a designation. It's a great designation. It's a great test bed and testing literally dozens of various projects that are pushing the envelope. But it's also a platform to push us as a community to think about, uh, you know, where the future's going. So I assume that those conversations are heavily interconnected. What you're talking about with disruption, what's happening with smart cities, what CEOs are talking about across the 2020 group and probably in subgroups about how are they thinking about their business so that they will be in business to- five to- years totally, from now. Totally inter- interconnected. And let me bring it back to curiosity, because two years ago, we were on the West Coast. We did a trip out to Silicon Mm -hmm. Valley, and, you know, we went to Facebook, and we were at Google, and one of the stops Mm -hmm. we made was at Cisco. And John Chambers, who was then the chairman of Cisco, we were in his boardroom, and somebody asked the question, uh, what city do you admire the most? And John Chambers said, I admire Barcelona, because they're a smart city. It's the first time I had heard the term smart cities. It was before the competition. And we started saying, gosh, I wonder what's happening in Barcelona and how have they wired their city and what have they done with Wi-Fi? What are they doing with smart traffic lights and Mm -hmm. all sorts of things? When the smart cities competition came along from the U.S. Department of Transportation and then uh, freshman mayor uh, Andy Ginther had this very bold idea that we should compete against 78 other cities and dared to believe that we could win, we thought it was a natural because we had been curious a few years earlier, scratching Mm -hmm. around and thinking about uh, that question of what are cities that people admire doing. And a few years ago, Columbus won the Intelligent Community Forum as well, the Intelligent Community Award. Yeah, another another example of um, you know the notoriety that Columbus is beginning to get as a city of innovation. You know, we've long been home to the Ohio State University, mm-hmm. um, one of the world's greatest uh, land grant institutions and multidiscipline research institutes. Battelle headquartered here. Battelle founded the Xerox Corporation, the barcode scanner at Kroger. M&Ms don't melt in your hand, developed by Battelle, and on and on and on. We've been a community of innovation for a very long time, but we always haven't had the notoriety, and that is really dramatically beginning to change in this current era. So let me take a shot at why does the notoriety matter? Well, the notoriety matters if you want to be a a community that's on the move. You've got to be known by others who would want to move to your city, who would want to uh, stay in your city, who would be attracted to bring business Mm -hmm. uh, to your city. And we've seen a real decade of transformation uh, on that end. We're we're the 14th largest city. We're the third largest state capital. We're number one in job creation of cities greater than a million people over the last several years. We're the second largest city in the Midwest behind Chicago. But yet 
some still had the stigma that Columbus is this sort of sleepy state mm-hmm. capital university town. Uh, there's nothing sleepy about this place. Uh, it is on a move, and a part of being on a move is uh, letting people know about uh, the place and about the dynamics and the culture mm-hmm. that uh, have created it. Well, and one of the things I've seen just because I've been part of it is the cross-group talent development. The, yeah. That we see the aspiring technology leaders launched by the CIO Forum. So economic development in the future, right now, it's all about a jobs war. Okay. It's all about talent. And the places that have the talent and that can recruit the talent and that can retain the talent are going to be the places that are going to grow. Thank you. This is Maureen Metcalf and Alex Fisher. And we are talking about Columbus 2020, the Columbus way, and what has allowed us to thrive. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen Metcalf, your host, and we are joined by Alex Fisher, the CEO of Columbus 2020. So we ended the last segment talking about the war for talent and going forward, continuing to navigate the disruption and be curious and attend to continuing to build and retool talent being differentiators. What are you hearing from others as they come to Columbus to learn from you? Well, I think that, uh, you know, certainly anytime we have feet on the street here Mm -hmm. in Columbus, we impress. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people don't have a opinion of Columbus, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing uh, Mm -hmm. because that opinion is almost universally shaped as a positive one uh, Mm -hmm. anytime we have people that are among us and uh, visiting Mm -hmm. uh, with us. I think people are extraordinarily impressed by how we keep pushing the envelope and learnings from others. You know, our insatiable appetite for wanting to think about how to get better and how not to rest on our laurels. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. at the top of our game right now, Mm -hmm. and yet we are in the current process of asking how we completely turn things upside down to say, what's the next decade going to be from this new plateau of, of success? 
Well, and it seems like hearkening back to a few minutes ago when you talked about disruption and Moore's Law and the rate of technology change and how that will ripple through our economy, that communities that will continue to thrive over the next decade, that's now a requirement. And it's a requirement for communities and it's a requirement inside companies. And so then we have that intersection of company leaders who bring that attitude because Mm -hmm. every one of our companies is in business because they're practicing this, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, they wouldn't be the success that they are. And we intersect it with that community willingness to try new things and push the uh, envelope. And I think when that mixes up Mm -hmm. uh, together, that's where real magic happens. Well, and I want to bring in then the nonprofits as well. Organizations like Junior Achievement are engaged with you also to continue to build future leaders. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, innovation is happening all over the place, whether Uh it's at Junior Achievement or the YMCA or the Boys and Girls Club. Uh Um, They're no more or less immune from all the changes that are occurring, and so... Just because somebody's in a nonprofit status doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the leadership skills are any different is how I think about it. Well, and the reason I highlight that is that we're talking about business leaders, and yet my experience in the community is that 2020 is supporting the full range of community constituents. Yeah, I mean, I just think about leadership, period. Mm-hmm. And um, I think those skills are transferable inside government, inside business, um, inside the community space. The challenges may be very, very different. Of course. Uh, The operational skill sets, there are Mm -hmm. a lot of things that I can't do that get done in a lot of companies that I don't understand. But the leadership qualities, I believe, are very transferable. Given that my focus is leadership, I would say (laughs) I would agree. (laughs) What I find so important is that what you're doing with 2020 and what we're doing across the community really is encompassing all sectors. It's not just business leaders or not just government leaders. It really is across community. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that happened as we grew the partnership is we grew it to include some key institutions, the Ohio State Columbus School of Art and Design, uh, mm-hmm. Columbus State, and mm-hmm. you know, said, if talent's important, then you better have your university presidents uh, and college presidents sitting at the table involved and active with you, uh, you know, thinking about it just as, you know, one example. So what accomplishment are you most proud of in our community? You know, I guess what I'm most proud of is not necessarily an accomplishment as much as it is a culture. And and that is a culture that is very comfortable in operating in the gray space, a culture that is constantly pushing the envelope. By all estimates, the last eight years have been the greatest uh, economic expansion in Columbus's history. But we're not spending a lot of time celebrating. We're Mm -hmm. spending our time, you know, saying, okay, now from here, where do we go? And in this world that is changing really, really quickly, Mm -hmm. we could put our head down and just focus on the narrow. And instead, we're sticking our head wide open, uh, Mm -hmm. wide up, and focusing on the breadth of opportunities. And that excites me. And that Mm -hmm. makes me proud that we live in a city and in a community that does that. And by the way, when somebody externally, whether they're a CEO or a mayor from another city, comes to our community... I believe that's what sells them at the end of the day more than any tactic or strategy or individual activity that we might have achieved. That culture, that willingness uh, to push the envelope, to be insatiably curious Mm -hmm. and collaborative collaborative and civil. Look, I think, in, again, can't say it enough in this era of political discourse to be a place that's known for civility, mm-hmm. that's not only known, but that is practicing it. We're not only practicing it, but the Harvard Business School is teaching how we do it to others is uh, something that differentiates us from a lot of others. So I was at a lunch meeting today with the Columbus Metropolitan Club, and for Mm -hmm. people who don't know, it's a community education forum, and the speakers were Dwight Smith, CEO of a tech company, Kathy Krendel, CEO of and president of Otterbein University, and a gentleman who runs a nonprofit, and the focus was kindness, and the, the neuroscience behind acts of kindness that we are a community that is in conversation about civility and kindness and how do we bring together people who are different different points of view yeah. and collaborate. 
I mean, I'm proud that um, Joyce Beatty, our Democratic Congresswoman, mm-hmm. and Steve Stivers, our Republican, mm-hmm. there are no two bigger Republicans or Democrats, have formed the Civility Caucus. Mm. Um, and they're challenging fellow members of Congress to do what they do, come together, attend each other's fundraisers, be a part of the community that embraces the diversity of ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I bet they agree 85% of the time. And isn't that how life is with mm-hmm. with your spouse or your business partner or mm-hmm. whatever the case might be? And so we've got to not let differences rip us apart. We can't let extremism rip mm-hmm. us apart. And that's one of the things we talk a lot about and that we're trying to practice it we're trying to emulate it, uh, mm-hmm. and we don't have it all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's work in progress. Well, you know, one of the things, again, back to the leadership qualities, this idea of being innately collaborative means I need to pull different points of view because none of us can know everything. So I have to be working with people who see the world differently. I mean, and so then at the end of the day, that's why you want to have a broad table. Mm-hmm. You want to have a table of different perspectives But it's not just the table. We go out to the community and engage in a variety of different settings, Mm -hmm. always trying to understand different perspectives from different viewpoints. And you never know where the nugget is going to exist. So what is your biggest challenge and the partnership's biggest challenge, and I'm not sure they're the same, going forward, near term and longer term? Well, you know, one thing that we worry a lot about is how do we sustain this? In a world that's changing a lot, in a world that sees CEOs come and go, in a world that uh, sees political leaders constantly changing, Mm -hmm. uh, how do we sustain leaders? How do we cross-pollinate it to younger uh, Mm -hmm. leaders in the community? At the end of the day, how do we create culture and teach it and perpetuate it? Mm -hmm. Well, isn't that the same challenge that any corporate CEO would have? or any small business CEO Mm -hmm. or small business owner would have? How do I create culture and how do I maintain it and perpetuate it? Um, With systems. With systems and process and and, values. And I'm I'm certain we haven't figured that out yet, but I think a part of figuring it out is acknowledging it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have some larger than life uh, CEOs in our community (laughs) that have been unbelievable in their community engagement and Mm -hmm. philanthropy. And at the same time, how do we make room for uh, others? Mm-hmm. And in the process, make sure that we're teaching and transcending uh, leadership over the generations. I think that's a really critical point, that it would be easy to be intimidated by some of the folks in the room, because they are larger than life, and they've been brilliant in their accomplishments. And I guess I have this great, uh, you know, sometimes I pinch myself because I have <laughs> so much access to some of the world's greatest business leaders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, look. They all put their shoes on the same way. They all have different interests. They all have different styles. But what is really unique about our organization is this kind of concept that they're all coming together in a common purpose uh, around community. And I don't think that makes us unique. Most every city has, you know, a few business leaders that are very actively engaged. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I've ever seen a city with as many business leaders that have the breadth of engagement that we have. But we've got to figure out how to maintain it. We've got to can't not take it for granted. Uh, have to keep uh, pushing uh, the envelope on the engagement models, you know, what mm-hmm. makes it work. And realize that, you know, we can't let this be a fleeting moment of the alignment of stars. We've got to do everything we can to put the systems processes in place that endure the culture that lasts for generations to come. So that's a great note to transition on. How would a listener who wants to learn more about Columbus, how would they find out? Anything from the Harvard article? Yeah, Columbus well, you know, look, you can, uh, the Columbus Partnership can go to our website uh, at the mm-hmm. uh, columbuspartnership.com. We have lots of, you know, the Harvard Business Case Study is there, but a okay. lot of our studies and reports that we've done over the years are on the website. The uh, columbus2020.org website is mm-hmm. our economic development that has a plethora of information about our community. It's got all of our contact information. They're very robust websites in and of themselves. Uh, So that'd be the right first place for uh, someone to start. Okay, great. Thank you. And so this is, again, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Our guest has been Alex Fisher. He's the CEO of the Columbus Partnership. And our objective, my objective, 
for this conversation was to share some of what the partnership and our economic development efforts have been and things I heard from Alex, the Columbus Way, the idea that we started with eight CEOs and we now have 65 who truly are committed to, and those are cross-sector CEOs, are truly committed to collaborating and improving the quality of our community, improving the economic health, the jobs, and also the lifestyle. Because to continue to attract businesses and win the war for talent, it has to be a wonderful place to live and work and grow families. So Alex's work and that of the entire community is really focused on how do we continue to evolve in a time of disruption. So hopefully you will go on to the columbus2020.org website, learn more about them from the Harvard Business Study as well as the recent editions. And please give me feedback, either info at metcalf-associates.com or on Facebook, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We started the interview with an encouragement to learn something from Alex or from our discussion. And things I heard were collaboration, curious, civility. How do we work with people with different points of view? So I encourage you to take one of those themes or anything else you heard and consider how can you experiment with it in your leadership and or your life. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week.